0: Joe Biden is now America's 46th president. His administration takes the reins amid a global pandemic, a recession, and social unrest. Biden
1: also faces a planet reeling from the consequences of climate change. On this week's California State of Mind, we'll hear what his administration can learn from California's response to the climate crisis and what ideas it might not want to replicate. I'm Elizabeth
0: Aguilera. And I'm Nicole Nixon. The state has now topped three million cases of COVID-19. In Los Angeles, officials set aside air quality rules to allow more cremations as the county's morgues reached beyond capacity. And meanwhile,
1: Californians up and down the state are having a tough time figuring out when and where they
0: can get vaccinated. We'll explore why the process seems so confusing. It's all next on California State of Mind from CalMatters and CAP Radio. Well, Elizabeth, it's so good to talk to you. It's been a while since we got together um, and a lot has happened since then. Uh, Did you watch the inauguration this week?
1: Yes, we did watch the inauguration. And it was really interesting to watch this year because it was so different and yet had elements of, you know, previous inaugurations. Weird to see the mall, you know, without the big crowds that we usually get to see and hear from, you know, people who have come there, traveled there about their excitement, but also on the stage, you know, the players had optimism and looking forward and ahead, even though they did mention the insurgency that happened a couple of weeks ago, right where they were standing and but also talked about moving forward from that and coming together as a country. So it was really interesting to see uh, the differences this week,
0: yeah. I mean, most of those differences are obviously because of the pandemic, which, is still very bad here in california since the last time we talked uh especially i understand down in la where you are what's what's it like down there right now
1: yeah la continues to be this center of attention for where the surge is happening and it's been really tough i think people here are worried about hospital capacity which has been basically at zero according to county officials and then more and more people talking about either getting it themselves or knowing someone now who is in the hospital or who has gotten coronavirus you know, and been really debilitated by it. So it feel I think people feel like it's closer and closer now.
0: Well, meanwhile, the Sacramento region left the regional stay at home order we were under here. But our ICU capacity right now is still under that 15 percent, although I guess to come out of it, it's based on projections. And that projection is above 15 percent. But I, I mean, I still don't know what that projection actually looks like what that number is. So that's a little confusing, too. When will we see other counties move out of their stay-at-home orders?
1: Yeah, it's such a strange time, too. The other thing that sort of layered on top of the pandemic is fire danger now in January, right? So we've had a few days in the last week where we've gotten warnings about potential power outages to prevent wildfire here in Los Angeles County. And You know, typically you might think, well, just go to someone else's house and now you can't do that right now. So trying to figure out what that would look like. Thankfully, it hasn't happened yet, but it's just the beginning.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully this isn't a sign of, you know, what the fire year is going to be like later this summer. Well, that's
1: one thing uh, the Biden administration has made clear, right, even from the start of the campaign, that the climate crisis will be a major priority for them. Here's the president speaking in December when he introduced a team dedicated to the climate issue.
2: Folks, we're in a crisis, just like we need to be a unified nation in response to COVID-19. We need a unified national response to climate change. We need to meet the moment with the urgency it demands as you would during any national emergency.
1: California has long been seen as a leader in climate issues, from electric cars to wind and solar power. It's also faced some of the harshest consequences of climate change, massive wildfires and drought. I'm joined now by two reporters who make it their business to track California's environmental policies and their outcomes, Ezra David Romero of Cap Radio and Rachel Becker of CalMatters. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Let me start by asking each of you whether and which California environmental policies are already influencing the Biden administration. What did we hear during the campaign that would be familiar to Californians and could become familiar to the rest of the country? Rachel?
3: I think President elect Biden's pledge to ensure that um, 100% of new cars will be zero emission uh, should sound really familiar to anyone who watched uh, Governor Newsom sign his executive order uh, on the hood of a, a bright red all electric Ford Mustang to phase out the sale of gas powered cars by 2035. So there's definitely some parallels there. The timeline for Biden's pledge kind of remains to be seen, though. Uh, the Biden campaign has also talked about pushing for economy-wide net zero greenhouse gas emissions uh, by 2050. So Governor Jerry Brown made a similar pledge um, in 2018 that committed the state to net zero emissions by 2050 also. So politicians can make promises, but I think in both of these cases, the devil will be in the details.
1: And Ezra, you wrote a story about this question. So what did you find?
4: Yeah, I would say that the Biden administration has these broad sweeping plans. You know, There's a $2 trillion climate plan. He also has this focus on environmental justice. Um, so there's a lot of big ideas in there, not a lot of detail of how that'll get done yet. Um, and that's sort of what California has done in the past too, right? We have these big climate policies, these big climate agendas, and they get spelt out over time.
1: Let's talk about some specific areas of policy where they've both succeeded and failed here in California. Ezra, wildfires are obviously top of mind for a lot of Californians after a record setting year last year. California obviously isn't the only state dealing with this issue, and a big chunk of the risk is on federal lands. So what is California doing or proposing that the Biden administration could look at like what's working and what isn't?
4: I think California is actually a case of what not to do with wildfires in many ways. You know, we have a very disjointed system around data, around how we communicate. I think the Biden administration who would be in charge of about 53% of all forests in California could actually do a lot here in the state. You know, they could take leadership on that 53% of forests on the land there, um, bring a perspective that values prescribed burns, bring a perspective that values climate change policy and could actually sort of change the culture in these places.
1: And Rachel, one of the things California is certainly well known for is its attempted efforts to clean up transportation, which is the biggest source of greenhouse gas pollution in the state. Even some car companies are getting on board despite rollbacks by the Trump administration. So talk us through what California's role will be in cleaning up cars nationwide.
3: California has historically terrible air, uh, which is why this state has this unique special authority to set its own tailpipe pollution standards that other states can choose to follow. The Trump administration came in and took back California's authority to set limits on greenhouse gases and weakened federal fuel economy rules. So since then, California kind of charted an end run around the federal rollbacks. The state sued and cut a deal with major automakers. And I think we're going to see history repeat itself again. So um, the Biden campaign has pledged to really take uh, action on fuel economy. And so what... What the auto industry doesn't want to have to deal with are two sets of standards, one from California and one from the rest of the country. So I think what we're going to see is California coming to the table with the federal government and with automakers to kind of help shape the next round of fuel economy and greenhouse gas standards uh, for, you know, the next 10, maybe 15 years.
1: That's right. And Ezra, on the other side of that, we have the huge oil and gas industry presence in the state. And data from 2018 shows that greenhouse gas emissions actually went up here. Despite all the curbs that are in place, there seems to be a real gap between what
4: California thinks it's doing right and what's actually happening. Is that a fair assessment? California is a place with some of the best climate policies in the world, right? When the Paris Climate Agreement happened, California sent a group of people there to talk about our climate policy. So we have these huge opportunities and ways to grow as a state. But on the other side, we're an oil state, right? We have people that are breathing dirty air every day next to freeways in Los Angeles and Riverside, Fresno, all around California. And then you have people who live next to oil wells and things like that. And they want swift action on these issues around climate change because what warms the climate? Carbon and other greenhouse gas emissions. And these are the things that the fossil fuel industry and cars and trucks are putting out into the atmosphere. So they want Newsom, they want the Biden administration to streamline these ideas because their lives are already affected by this without climate change, with just these entities in the areas where they live in. So the Biden administration says equity is an issue. It's making a priority. And environmental justice groups don't think California is doing a great job on this. I talked to Alvaro Sanchez. He's an environmental equity director for the Line Institute. Here's what he had to say. It took way too long for California legislators and agencies to actually begin to move on the things that EJ communities had been saying for a long time. It was the things that were impacting them. And it took us forever to finally uh, try to advance policies that were specifically looking at air quality, which is what really impacts um, the health of the people that are living in polluted communities. Um, And even then, the policies that we've advanced, you know, are a start, but definitely leave a lot to a lot of work to be done.
1: Rachel, talk us through some of the other clean energy initiatives that are in place here and what lessons the Biden team can take away from those.
3: So California's biggest cuts to carbon pollution have come from the electricity sector, which means that it's not a bad place for the federal government to look for inspiration. Um, you know, we've got laws banning utilities from signing new contracts with coal power plants. We've got financial incentives for installing rooftop solar. Uh, and we have our renewables portfolio standard, which basically requires utilities to provide an increasing amount of electricity from renewable sources. And that's been a big policy driver of greenhouse gas cuts, um, according to a state report that was released last year. Um, I think what the Biden administration is unlikely to mimic is California's cap and trade system. And basically, the way this works is it sets a declining cap on carbon emissions that major polluters like power plants can meet by either cleaning up their facilities or by buying and trading pollution credits, Um, The reason why I think that the Biden administration is unlikely to look towards the cap and trade system is because of that state report I mentioned. Um, it, It said it was hard to tease out how much cap and trade has actually contributed to greenhouse gas reductions, but they were probably modest. So basically, given this pushback, you know, and the perception that California's climate goals have come at the expense of cleaning up the state's most polluted communities, It seems unlikely that the Biden administration, which has really emphasized environmental justice, is gonna copy cap and trade.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a criticism I've heard too, that those credits that they purchase or somehow figure out in reducing their emissions don't actually benefit those communities that are along heavily trafficked freeways or in other areas where the pollution has continued. Ezra, there's this huge tech sector in California that has said it has a lot of ideas for clean energy. But California hasn't done much to tie itself to those ideas. Is that something where the Biden administration could potentially rely on technology and innovation more than California has?
4: I've talked to scientists and professors who are working on all kinds of ideas, everything from putting solar powered paint on cars to have them fuel electric cars. There's so many ideas out there and there's so many moments the state could connect itself to the private sector. And I think the Biden administration could learn from that, learn from something we're not doing as strong yet in this moment.
1: It sounds like one of the primary issues here in California is that there is a lot of environment and climate change policy that Biden's team could look to, but implementation, especially equitable implementation is where the state falls down. So to both of you, how much is California really a model? Ezra, do you want to take that first?
4: Yeah, California is a model in so many ways. I think especially around climate policy and actions we've done there, you know, everything from What I hear from advocates and other people, what to not model after is our role when it comes to environmental justice communities, people of color, people who live in low-income communities, people who have lobbied state government for years, for decades, and have not seen action on these issues. Um, And so I talked to longtime environmental advocate, Catherine Phillips, she's with Sierra Club California about this, and she sort of put this in perspective for me. She's been tracking climate policies in the state for about 20 years. What she says needs to happen. There needs to be like bold action.
5: I would say to the Biden administration, set big goals. Um, Don't let the fear that um, vested interests will try to instill that um, big goals harm the economy. Big goals don't harm the economy. They improve the economy. They improve the environment. They improve the living conditions for regular people, for every, every one of us.
1: Rachel, what's your thought about this?
3: The devil is going to be in the details of of Biden's actual policies. and, And we'll see whether his administration manages to strike that balance between climate goals and environmental equity, where many say California has struggled.
1: I've been talking to Ezra David Romero and Rachel Becker. Thank you for joining us. No problem.
4: Thanks. Thank you.
1: So, Nicole, Ezra was talking about wildfire danger, and I think that's something that's on everyone's minds now. You know, we're facing the power outage warnings here, but I'm sure that these are concerns across the state, especially in places where they already had massive wildfires
0: and are still trying to recover. Totally. Well, coming up, we're going to address some of your and our questions about how on earth you are supposed to get the coronavirus vaccine. The state has millions of doses, but Californians are confused about who can get them, when and where. Stay tuned for more on California State of Mind. It's California State of
1: Mind from Cap Radio and Cal Matters. I'm
0: Elizabeth Aguilera and I'm Nicole Nixon. We were talking earlier about how the coronavirus is raging out of control here in California. More than 3 million people now infected. Of course, the global pandemic won't come under control until we are all vaccinated. California has millions of doses in cold storage right now, yet people really don't have any idea about how or where or when to go get their shots. In fact, we've
1: heard from a lot of you about your vaccination frustrations. Listeners like Bradley in San Diego County, whose father-in-law is 89 years old and wants to know how they'll be notified that his tier is now eligible for the vaccine. Or a couple in Shasta County who wrote... We have high-risk medical conditions. I am 62. My husband is 64. What documentation is required to be on the high-risk list?
0: All very good questions. And joining us now for hopefully some answers on why this process seems like it is not a process is Radio's Sammy Cayola. Hey, Sammy. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nicole. Glad to be here. So Governor Gavin Newsom just announced that everyone over the age of 65 in California is eligible to get the vaccine but it doesn't necessarily mean you can just walk up to your local pharmacist and get a shot. Sammy, what is going on here?
2: Part of the confusion here is that being eligible for the vaccine and actually being able to access a vaccine are different things. So you may hear, oh, I'm over 65. I can get one. It doesn't mean it's actually available in your county. And that has everything to do with supply and demand. So every county has a different number of doses that they're going to get. And then they have a different number of priority people that they're going to have to give that vaccine to first before moving on to the general older public.
0: So explain what those priority groups are and how, you know, this differs county by county and through health systems. Yeah. So there are essentially phases and tiers and phases are sort of the larger
2: category. And then the tiers are the subset. So phase 1a is where most counties are right now. They're still vaccinating health workers, nursing home staff, nursing home residents. And there are three tiers in that phase. And a lot of counties are still working through that. And if you're a county like Sacramento, for example, we've got four major health systems here. So we have a ton of medical workers. Now, Counties can move on to phase 1B whenever they feel ready. And they're actually able to do two phases at once if, say, they have, you know, some healthcare workers, they haven't quite reached yet, but they have extra doses. So they may decide, okay, we're going to keep vaccinating health workers, but we're also going to start doing some research to say people over 75. So that is who is supposed to be in phase 1B originally, but then Governor Newsom decided to expand phase 1B to include people over 65. And to be clear, that doesn't have to be people over 65 with a medical condition. You can be a healthy 65-year-old and depending on what county you live in, you may have access to the vaccine if your county has already gotten through phase 1A (laughs) and all of those tiers. And then eventually we'll move on to phase one C, which includes people age 50 to 64 and some younger people who do have medical conditions and some workers in fields like wastewater defense, financial services. But that tier is really not very fleshed out right now. The state is still figuring out who's going to fall under that umbrella.
0: The other thing that's frustrating people here, Sammy, is that As we're recording this now, only 37% of California's like 4 million vaccine doses have actually been administered. Do we know what the holdup is here? That is the golden question,
2: Nicole. (laughs) I don't, I have not been able to get a straight answer on where the biggest bottleneck is. So I spent a lot of time talking to the county health departments in my region, Northern California, and they're saying we're ready to give out the vaccine. We're happy to administer it, but we don't have the doses. So they want to plan vaccine clinics, kinds of stuff you'd see around the flu shot, where you can just go and sign up with the county and get your vaccine. But the county health departments are telling me we can't plan those events when we don't know how much vaccine we're getting. Because the last thing they want is for 100 people to show up at their doors, and they only have 20 vials. they are is a problem I'm hearing about in some counties where even if they had the doses in hand, they might have trouble distributing it to people because they don't have enough vaccinators, people who can give out the shot. There's been a push to get more people certified to do that. So recently, pharmacists became allowed to do it. Dentists can give the vaccine now. And some lawmakers are even pushing for firefighters to be able to give it out or retired physicians. But there's another catch here. You can't just say okay i'm gonna give it out you have to actually get certified through the state health department and i'm hearing that that approval process also takes a really long time
0: one of the things here that i think um frustrates a lot of people or or makes people scratch their heads is at the beginning of the pandemic when testing was you know ramping up pretty slowly People kind of understood that because we were in uncharted territory and doing this brand new test. But we've known this vaccine has been coming for a long time. And a lot of the the slow rollout seems to be kind of poor planning. Do counties, does the state, do health systems have anything to say about that?
2: Counties are definitely frustrated by the lack of coordination. They really want to be able to plan ahead. They want to be able to start calling people and say, come in and get a vaccine. This is in the wheelhouse of public health, right? This is their bread and butter. They know how to do it, but they are not getting the communication that they need from the state. So I think there is some frustration there.
0: We've talked about how Counties are kind of moving at different paces here on va- on the vaccination front. Um, El Dorado County recently began vaccinating teachers. Um, why are some counties able to move so quickly while others are moving so slowly?
2: I think it's a matter of who you can access and how quickly and how many people you have in each of these priority groups. So if you're a county with a huge healthcare workforce, you might be stuck on phase 1A for A longer time than maybe a rural county that doesn't have a lot of healthcare infrastructure. And same thing with if you're a county with a ton of agricultural workers, um, maybe you're going to be in that phase for a longer period of time. And counties get to make their own decisions about who they can get this vaccine to quickly. They, the last thing they want is for vaccines to spoil. The problem is once you open a batch of these, the vials do expire in a matter of hours. So counties really wanna think carefully about, okay, who do we know that we can get? And some counties have had trouble even with healthcare workers because some of them are choosing not to get vaccinated. And so they have to be careful about having backups in place. I know some health systems like UC Davis Medical Center moved on to vaccinating patients because they felt they had gotten as far as they could get with their health workers. They said, OK, our workforce is mostly vaccinated. We're still doing some of them, but let's get the patients in because we don't want anything to go to waste. So, you know, it's really dependent on (laughs) how many doses there are and what your county decides to do. So it's extremely confusing. There's not a central location where you can figure out what tier is my county on? Your county health department may have that information on its website, but that is still even separate from what your medical provider might be doing, right? Kaiser may be vaccinating one group of people, while Sutter is on a totally different group of people. So it's a very fragmented system right now.
0: Well, let's talk about actually getting the vaccine. What should people do to find out where their place in line is here, you know, if they don't know it already? um, And what should they do with that information?
2: This is probably the most frustrating element of this whole thing, Nicole, is you can look at the state's phased plan and say, Oh, okay. I know exactly what phase I'm in, what tier I'm in, but that doesn't actually help you with getting the vaccine because it doesn't tell you when you're up to find out when you're up. You have to hope that your County has some kind of timeline on their County health department website. Some of them do some of them don't. California is supposed to be coming out with this notification system this week. Though it's uh, Wednesday as we speak, and I have not gotten a message from them yet. And we don't know exactly what that notification system is going to look like. So unfortunately for so many people, it's just a wait and see. And with the supply and demand situation as it is, you may be waiting for a while. I know we have been getting dozens of listener questions every single day, and people are just writing in to say, I'm 71. When can I get a vaccine? I'm 80 and I have a heart condition. When can I get a vaccine? My grandma's 90. When can she get a vaccine? People are really, really desperate for information right now, and there is not a central location where they can find it.
0: Well, for those people who are over the age of 65 and do may have felt bait and switched by the governor's announcement that they could get the vaccine and then maybe they found out that they actually couldn't yet. What can they do right now to make sure um, that they know when they can get the vaccine uh, immediately?
2: Depending on what county you live in, you may be able to. Sign up. Some counties have these forms that ask you to just register with your name and your age, um, your occupation if it's relevant. And then they're basically building out a database of people that they'll contact once they have doses in hand. So you can go to your county health department's website and see if they have a form like that. And filling it out again doesn't guarantee you a vaccine, but it may sort of put you on a list for (laughs) when a vaccine is available. Then at least your county will know. That you're there and that you want one. So that's an option for some people. Um, But if your county doesn't have a form like that, there is not too much you can do. I think it's going to be a very long time until we see walk-in clinics or drive-up clinics where you can just step up and get one, like the flu shot. I don't think that's going to happen probably until this summer. So until then, the county is probably going to ask people to sign up. But right now, they're not doing that because they don't have the doses.
0: Well, Cap Radio's healthcare reporter, Sammy Kayola. thank you so much for helping us sift through this slow vaccine rollout and everything that's going on here. No problem. Thanks, Nicole. Elizabeth, this is all so disorganized right now. Sammy told me that there are people who are taking this into their own hands. There are websites out there where volunteers are calling counties on their own and crowdsourcing this vaccine information to try to get it in a centralized place. We haven't verified any of these websites, so we're not going to point you to them. But if you're interested, you should know that they're out there and you can do some research to find them.
1: Yeah, it's really tough for people right now. I've seen lots of chatter on social media about You know, where to go, who's getting it. It's different in every county. I know here in LA County Dodger Stadium is a vaccination site, but people are talking about how for some who had an appointment if you still wait four hours, others going early and getting it done quickly, you know, Kaiser members waiting for a call saying they can come in, others being told to check with their primary care physician who those
0: places are not doing vaccines yet. So it's a lot of different messaging that people are gonna have to sort through. And that's California's State of Mind for this week. Next week, we're going into the Wayback Machine from all of two years ago. It's midterm time for Governor Gavin Newsom. We'll hear what he proposed as a candidate and when he took office. And our reporters will give an update on how those promises are panning out, especially amid the pandemic. So we'll see you next week. Have a good one, Elizabeth. You too, Nicole. Before we go...
1: Kamala Harris wasn't the only daughter of California in the spotlight on Inauguration Day. 22-year-old Amanda Gorman of Los Angeles delivered a poem that was a sensation from the moment she began reciting it. So we leave you today with a selection from Gorman's The Hill We Climb
0: California State of Mind is a collaboration of Cal Matters and CAP Radio. It's edited by Nick Miller and Tess Vigland and produced by Jen Picard. Sally Schilling is our executive producer. Devin Cortan is the technical director. Chris Hagan is our
1: digital editor. Margarita Noriega and Chris Bruno are our masters of marketing. Our social media is run by Emmy Gilbert and Courtney Fong.
0: Dave Lesher is Cal Matters editor and Joe Barr is Cap Radio's chief of content. Our theme song is "Melifera Ligustica by Isaac Joel. Make sure you don't miss any episodes. Hit that subscribe button. It's
1: free and you'll get notified every Friday of a new episode. That's all for now. Thanks for
0: listening to California State of Mind. See you next week.